Well, today we're, uh, if you haven't noticed, we've got lots of moving parts. It's kind of like uh, if you're at a restaurant, I usually liken things to food. That's where my mind is a lot of times. That's why we don't talk about gluttony much around here. Uh, anyway, far too convicting. Uh, we're getting lots of, this is like a fancy restaurant where you get lots of courses. You get the appetizer course and the soup course and salad and the entree course and dessert and maybe dessert number two. But anyway, we've worshipped Jesus in song. Now it's a course we've worshipped as we gave our tithes and offerings. Uh, we worshipped as we remembered the sinless body and shed blood through the Lord's Supper. Uh, we worshipped even as we heard about eight people who are going to obey the Lord's command and get baptized down at Walloon, 1230, down at the beach. Uh, why don't you, if you're able, meet us down there at 1230? You'd be a real encouragement to support them that way. And now we have another course for our feast, and we're going to look uh, at a couple questions regarding the Sabbath. Uh, we've been talking about the Sabbath the last couple Sundays, and here is question number one. Uh, eating out on Sunday is one of those things I've always questioned. It brings me rest, but causes someone else to work. So, question mark. Okay, great question. Whoever you are that wishes to remain anonymous, great question. Here we go. First of all, it's likely that the vast majority of people who will be serving you in a restaurant, uh, most don't know Jesus personally, so I guess I would say let that be an opportunity to splash love and kindness and Jesus on those folks. Second thought, uh, those that do know Jesus likely are not troubled by the fact that you're giving them income and employment. Uh, third thought, followers of Jesus who practice the Sabbath on Sunday can always request not to work on Sunday. So that is an option, and I would say that many of you are here today because you've done that successfully. You've requested Sundays off, and I would suggest when you start a new job, that, be, that would be a great place to start, is uh, I would request, if possible, I'd prefer not to work Sundays, and many employers are willing to accommodate you on that request. So uh, not all, obviously. Uh, fourth, our secular culture is not going to stop this world we live in is not going to slow down for our convictions regarding the Sabbath. Okay? Okay, having said all that, here is the key, Romans 14, 23. Uh, we talked about this last week, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating isn't from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Specifically, they're regarding whether you should eat meat that's been offered to idols or just eat veggies. And uh, that's the eating, but this, this verse certainly applies to eating out. Uh, you need to take that issue before the Lord and let the Lord show you clearly for you and your spouse and your family and, and uh, say, Lord, would you make this clear? Do I have freedom to eat out on Sundays or not? And I believe the Lord will show you. And uh, I would encourage you on issues that are non-sin issues, uh, disputable matters, Romans 14, ask the Lord. He'll show you. He'll make it clear. Question number two. What's the difference between Sabbath and Sunday? 
when and why did the church switch from Saturday worship, Old Testament, to Sunday rest, uh, the Lord's Day? When, when did that happen? Okay, here we go. Uh, by, de- by the way, did you know that's a controversial question? <laughs> there's, there's entire denominations that base their identity on, on this Uh, So, having said that, early in the book of Acts, it seems that the church was still mostly observing what we would say Saturday worship or Saturday Sabbath. However, uh, by the end of the book of Acts, it seems the church had begun observing Sunday worship, the first day, uh, referred to as the Lord's Day in the book of Revelation. Uh, Another reason suggested by historians is now the church was getting bigger and being reached into the book of Acts. More Gentiles, they weren't interested in all of the Jewish customs and they kind of wanted to shake off some of those. So that probably was a reason why some of them wanted to get away from all of the Sabbath, Saturday rules and regulations. The Roman Caesar Constantine in around 300 A.D., uh, mandated the Roman world observe Sunday, the Lord's Day, the first day, moved it from officially Saturday to Sunday. But the truth is, Acts 20 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2, uh, it, it seems the early church had already moved to Sunday worship uh, long before Constantine mandated it in 300 A.D. And you can look up Acts 27, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, if you'd like. There seemed to be friction on this issue, you can imagine. Uh, Especially the Jews weren't happy that now uh, bringing Jesus and all these Gentile non-Jews into the issue, which really seems to be why Paul addressed the issue, Colossians 2, verse 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Verse 17 is key. The reality is found in who? Okay. About 10 of you have got it. Uh, Got it up here. But the reality, what the focus of the worship day, your day of rest, whatever it is, the reality is found in let, let Jesus Let Jesus be the focus. So let let me say this just in closing. Uh, The fourth command is just that. It's a command. Jesus never waved it or set it aside. It's from creation uh, for your good and mine. Listen close. Please begin moving towards taking one day in seven to cease from work. I recognize it's not going to be an easy thing. Uh, Many of you just can't, you know, instantly go to a full day. There's things going on. You got busy lives. You got you got children. You you got plans. You got schedules. I get it. But would you consider begin moving towards obedience to this command? And, And it's not because it's an order or a rule as much as it's a gift for your good and mine. I think there's, that's a huge reason why so many of us were stressed, were exhausted, were worn out, 
Why? Because we never take a day off from work. And I think if we do it God's way, it, it has the potential to be the very best day of the week. Doesn't that sound good? Like every week you can say, I, I know it's hard today, but, but I know my Sabbath, my day of rest is coming. And I can't wait for it. So let me encourage that. I guess I would close by saying, how many of you would consider begin moving towards accepting this amazing gift that God thought of way back in the beginning? Isn't that amazing? In the beginning, the Lord said, I know you are my creation. I know how you're wired, and you are not the exception to the rule. You need a day of rest. How many of you would say, I think I probably should begin moving towards that? Anybody? How about the balcony? Are you guys going to go 724? Uh, no? 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 I'm looking at you. Yeah, I know I said that backwards. <laughs> okay. So. Now, we have one final course. I guess this would be dessert, don't you think, uh, on our menu today. Uh, we've begun the last few months to offer prayer by some leaders in our church whenever we're singing. And, and have you noticed where that is? We got a nice little light. Thank you, Chad. Uh, Pastor Chad, for getting that there. That light over there, go ahead, look at it. Okay, That's the area every time music is playing... We want you who come into church and you're looking good, but I know some of you from week to week have really awful weeks and there's significant things going on in your life. We want to offer that as a ministry, as a service to you. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, where does that come from? Why, why would you do that? Well, I want to show you today from God's book, why we do that. So if you have your phone or your Bible, James chapter 5 is where you want to be. James chapter 5, this is God's preferred plan for his children. When you're facing times of weakness and sickness and trouble and pain, this is what God's word says we should do. When, when, when hard times come, and they come to all of us, this is what we should do, it says. James 5, we'll start with verse 13, and then we'll read down through verse 16. If you're able, would you please stand with me? Let's stand together. This is uh, God's plan for when weakness and sickness and trouble comes our way. Let's read together. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for instructing us on what to do when hard, painful, difficult, sick, weak times come our way. And Lord, I know for sure that some today here in your church, that's true for them right now. So would you show us very clearly what we're supposed to do when we face those times? 
And Lord, I, I pray that as we dig into James chapter 5, your owner's manual for our lives, that uh, we might be willing to accept your remedy, even though it's humbling, even though it's going to be hard for some folks. So uh, help us to put it in practice today. I pray that you'd give us listening ears and listening hearts and minds and help us to be ready to respond as you make yourself clear. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Verse 14, is any among you sick? Question. Are you sick today? <laughs> and maybe you're thinking, I hope they're not sick because I don't want to catch it. Uh, but the truth is, uh, the word sick, uh, astheno, astheneo, okay, I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, that is the Greek word used here, can mean physical sickness. You know, it can mean when you have the flu. It can mean when you have a cold, allergies. It can mean when you have diabetes, heart disease, cancer, more serious things wrong. But here's what you need to understand. Uh, astheneo, I guess we'll go with that. That sounds better. Uh, is often translated in the New Testament as weakness. Catch that? It's, it's not just sickness. It's weakness, an area of weakness in your life. Same word. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, Paul writes, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. See, there it's translated weakness, very same Greek word. So James is advising fellow followers of Jesus what we should do when we face an area of weakness, an area of trouble, an area of sickness in our lives. Let's just break that down, okay? So the word is bigger than just being physically sick. The word here for weakness means when we have an area of sickness in our spiritual lives. Here's what you should do. Uh, spiritually, I keep getting tripped up in this area. Satan has a foothold and a stronghold in my life. When you have an area of spiritual weakness, this is God's plan for us. When we have an area of weakness in our emotional lives, this is what we should do. Fear, anxiety, depression. This is what you should do according to James chapter 5. It's an area of weakness, an area of sickness in your relationships. Perhaps you have a significant relationship in the family that is broken and damaged and dying, what should you do? <laughs> James 5 tells us what we should do. Maybe you have an area of weaknesses on the job in your profession. Perhaps you have an area of weakness in your checkbook, in your finances. Your savings is very sick. Uh, maybe you are Dave Ramsey's worst nightmare. This is what you should do, according to James chapter 5. But please don't miss it. It also applies if you do have physical sickness. So the, 
that's not excluded. Of course, it means physical sickness. When your earthly tent has gotten ripped or torn or holes appear, as 2 Corinthians talks about, when your body begins to break down and you're just not doing good, yes, this is what you should do for that as well. So, if James is giving us advice on what to do here, I've got some weakness, I've got some difficulty, some significant sickness in some area of my life, what should we do as followers of Jesus? Let's go back to the text. Here's what James 5.14 says. Is any of you sick? Any among you weak? Then call the elders, the leaders of the church, to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now let me break that down for you, okay? First, <laughs> this might be the hardest one for most of us, admit that you have an area of weakness, an area of sickness in your life. And that's hard because I don't want to humble myself. I don't want to admit that I'm not doing so well in some area of my life. So that's the first thing you got to do. You have to admit it. Then secondly, you need to go. You can't just sit there. You need to go and find some leaders in the church uh, and third, when you find them, ask them to anoint you with oil. Yeah, obviously, you're going to need to share, I'm, I'm struggling with this area of weakness, of this area of sickness in my life. Would you please anoint me with oil, according to James chapter 5, in the name of the Lord Jesus? Why? <laughs> Why, Pastor Jeff, would you want someone to do that? Why? Look at verse 16. This is why. Because this obedience and commitment to God's book, doing it God's way, prayer is powerful and effective. And I think that's why they want church leaders who are walking righteously in right relationship with Jesus. It's those type of people that you want praying with you and praying for you. Because that kind of praying is powerful and effective. Matter of fact, it says that kind of praying brings healing. So, we're actually going to put this into practice for the next few minutes. And uh, I would invite those elders, those leaders and wives who are uh, all ready to go, would you go and just maybe line up on that side and over there by the stained glass? Um, and they are going to be there for you so that you can take advantage of James chapter 5 and as you sit there and say, you know what? There is an area of weakness. There is an area of sickness in my life. And uh, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to admit it. And then I'm going to go and uh, find somebody that uh, you feel comfortable with. And they're going to pray with you. And uh, we're going to put this verse into practice. Now, now, give me your eyes for a second. This is available every Sunday. But every once in a while, we just want to bring it kind of a little more front and center for everybody and make this, this opportunity available to you. So um, Andy's going to come, and he, with the band, is going to play, right? Kind of softly. Not going to, this is not a Blasto song, right? Right, good, nice. Uh, you know what I mean, yeah. Uh, and while he does that, those of you who are in need, what does that mean? Well, I got an area of weakness 
and sickness, and I could really use uh, this in my life because this is what God's book says brings powerful and effective healing. Sounds pretty good to me. So why wouldn't you want to put this into practice? So bow your heads with me just for a few moments here. And here's the key question for you to consider. Is there an area of weakness and sickness right now in your life? And I know the temptation is ignore it, push it to the side, pretend. No, speak, Lord, we're listening. Second question, Lord, would you have me humble myself and put James 5 into practice and go get up out of my seat and ask them to pray and anoint me with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And some of you are thinking, ah, praise Jesus, things are going pretty well right now. I rejoice. And it actually even says there in James 5, if, if you're happy and things are going well, then you just sing songs of praise. Isn't that good? So what do I do if, I'm, if I don't need to get up and go? Just sing songs of praise. Let me suggest one more thing. Maybe you should be praying for those who are going. <laughs> and as you see them go, you, you pray with the folks as they pray over these folks in need. As we get close to closing time, Andy's going to call the ushers forward. We're going to receive a benevolent offering. And if people are still in need, we're going to just keep praying even while they sing that closing offering song, okay? Uh, and at the time when we're finished, Andy's going to dismiss you. Um, but right now, do you need to get up and go? Admit there's a need? Do you, do you need to go right now and say, please pray for me and ask them to anoint you even right now while Andy and the band lead us?